scriptures from the Bible. They may take portions from other religions. They may take information from online. But the Bible is the source that we subscribe to that can tell us who is God. Okay? So God is an all-powerful creator, creator of the universe. Our God created the universe and everything that is in it. He created us. We believe there is one living and true God. Now, let's be clear here. The capital G-O-D, God, is who we are studying today, is who we are learning about, because there are all kinds of false gods, lowercase g gods. There are people that make all kinds of things their God. They make their clothes their God. They make their possessions their God. They make their animals their God. They They create statues and turn them into their God. There are people around the world that worship all kinds of things, man-made things. But who is the true and living God? He is the creator of the universe and all that is therein. He created the heavens and the earth. He is eternal, unchanging, holy, and all-powerful. That's the beauty of our God, the God that we serve. He's not like man. He's not like a graven image, but he is the true living God. He exists in three persons, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three are equal and eternal gods. Amen? So one of the first things we need to learn is that God is holy. Now, God has a lot of attributes, but the greatest one that we need to understand is that he's holy. He's above all. So when we talk about God, we ought to come and talk about God and pray to God in reverence because he is holy. He is not like man. He's not lower than us. Amen. He's above us and above all. He is holy. He is a holy, loving, and perfect God. And we can totally put our trust and faith in him because guess what? He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Salvation only comes in God. Amen? He alone is our salvation. And so as we go into our scripture, only one time in scripture do we hear about the seraphim. We hear about the the cherubim, but the seraphim, only one time do we hear about the seraphim. And what are they doing? They are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Holy. So above all the attributes that we can talk about him, above all the characteristics, he's holy, holy, holy. You know how when we say something and we want to put emphasis on it? We take a little marker and we highlight it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The seraphims are saying multiple. They're not just saying, oh, he's holy. They're saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. They're repeating the phrase to give emphasis that this is the God of all creation. He is Glory belongs to him. Honor belongs to him. Praise belongs to him. Worship belongs to him. Because he's holy. God is 
is no other characteristic of God that could come forth or manifest the fact that he is God. Amen. So there should be a reverence among the people when it comes to God. A level of respect and reverence for God. Because we're not told repeatedly he's wise, wise, wise. We're not told repeatedly he's a good, 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 good God. That's a song that we sing, right? But the Bible tells us that he is holy, holy, holy. He is the Lord God Almighty. And he ought to be praised and worshipped for it. Amen. So God's holiness is emphasized throughout the scriptures repeatedly. So who is our holy God, our creator? And we ought to learn more and more about that. Let's turn over to Psalms chapter 99, verse 9. God is holy. It says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. Holiness is not simply one positive uh, God quality. It defines all of his attributes and characteristics. You can sum up all of God's attributes and characteristics in one word, and that is holy. Amen. God is holy and perfect. He is righteous and pure. He is a just judge who will rightly judge the world. Yet in man's wickedness, God has made a way for man to be right with him through the sacrifice of his perfect son. So what does that mean? God's holiness, holiness defines God the way that light defines the sun. It's who he is. Holiness is the essence of who God is. From holiness, that from there flow all the other attributes of God. Amen? So God is holiness. The second point is God is righteousness. Turn over to Psalms chapter 50, verse 6. Psalms chapter 50, verse 6. It says, And the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. Amen? So when we say God is righteous, we mean he follows the moral rules he's established. So let me tell you the difference between God and man. God set up the rules, and he follows it. Amen? How many times do we come in contact with people that set up rules and they break their own rules? <laughs> they break their own policies. But God, being a righteous God, follows the rules that he's established. Amen? So God's holiness guarantees righteous acts. We have a guarantee that when we experience God, we're talking about God, we're praying to God, we're coming in contact with God, that everything that he says to us is righteous. Amen? The word righteous means acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin, morally right or justifiable, a righteous decision arising from an outraged sense of justice or morally righteous indignation. In other words, God's always going to do it right. He's always going to make right decisions and do what is right. Amen? What does righteous mean? Similar to righteous, what does righteous mean? It's the quality or state of being morally correct and justifiable. It can be considered the same as righteous or being upright. In other words, God's never going to do us wrong. 
sometimes we go through things in life and we get upset with God. Anybody ever been there? Amen. You get upset with God. You say, God, that wasn't him. Guess what? If it wasn't right, God didn't do it. He didn't do it. But we have a promise. And that promise is that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. That's the promise that we have. But our God didn't do it if it was wrong. If it was wrong, if it was not righteous, that was him. Or, beloved, that was you. Somebody said that was you. That was you. That, 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 that could have been you. I like the way <laughs> I like the way Savior just said that. That, that, that could have been you. You know, that, that probably was you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. How can we as believers in Christ become righteous? Because, see, we have a promise. God didn't just show us righteousness, but he prepared a way for us to become righteous. Amen. So how, how can we as believers in Christ become righteous to be justified or declared righteous by the law is to seek the right is to seek to be righteous before God by keeping the law of Moses. That doesn't work, does it? It's so true. In other words, it's to be righteous by works. But the Bible says that no man can be justified before God by works. In other words, you aren't declared righteous because you temporarily do something righteous. You aren't declared righteous. Because of sin, you aren't declared righteous. The Bible says no man can be justified before God by works. The other way, which is the only way to be justified by God, is by what? Faith. Faith. Let's look at Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And it goes on in verse 21 through 26. It says, by now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Who's eligible to be righteous? All who believe in Jesus Christ. How do you obtain it? Through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all messed up. And all are justified freely by his grace. We all have the same opportunity to receive the grace and the righteousness of God, to be declared righteous before God. Why? By faith in Jesus Christ. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Why? God presented Christ as an atonement, a sacrifice of atonement, through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. In other words, receive Christ. Don't let him go. Bondage to lust, black life, Hispanic, Asian, whatever country you're from, whatever economic status you're in, that same God, you can be declared righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? See, God has a non-denominational.
discrimination policy. He said, whosoever believeth in me, in John 3, 16, whosoever, that includes you and me, that includes the outcasts, that includes the prisoners, that includes the homeless, that includes that person on that Volvo that you don't like, that includes you and me, the person you see when you look in the mirror, amen. We can be declared righteous not by our works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It's because of the work, the redemptive work that Jesus Christ did on the cross with the shedding of his blood. See, that's God's love towards us, amen. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness. Amen. So God is righteousness. Another thing is God is love. Who is God? He's holy, he's righteous, and he's love. All of this was done because of his love. God is love. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever, did y'all see that? Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Beloved, you can't tell me that God is living on the inside of you if you don't have a love on the inside of you. Amen. That's how you can tell. You got to have love on the inside of you. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in us. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, catch this, beloved, in verse 20. Some of you need to hold on to your seat on this one. I didn't write it. It's in the book. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. This is a command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. Now let's stop right there because some of y'all just got lost. You mean to tell me I have to love this person that's been talking trash about me and spreading rumors throughout the church? Yes, beloved, you got to love that person too. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. If you don't believe me, go to the book. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. Read it for yourself. We love because he first loved us. God gave us an example of his love. And 1 Corinthians 13 tells us y'all all the attributes of God. And then it says, whoever claims, claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Now, let me explain this to you. Who's your brother and sister? It's not talking about your natural born brother and sister or that, you know, grew up in your family with you or that's been adopted or your foster brothers and sisters or your biological brothers and sisters. The Bible's not talking that in this scripture is not talking about them alone. He is talking about your brother and sister in Christ that one that's a fellow believer, that one 
that's made in God's image. That includes all of us. We're all made in God's image. But when the sun don't have a melanoma problem, God still made you. Okay, let's move on because y'all ain't watching me. Yeah, but that one, that one, the one whose curse we talk about is people or beasts, that one. Mm -hmm. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, the one that you see all the time but don't speak to, that one. I remember one of the uh, elections, um, and I'm not going to say which election. Some of you all will remember this, but one of the elections, um, there was a certain candidate that said that one. You pointed? Yeah, that one. When it comes to your brother and sister, the one that you talk about, that one. That's the one that the Bible is telling you that you need to love. Because if you claim that you love God and you don't love them, you are a liar. And the truth is not in you. I picked that part about the truth not being in you because the devil is a liar and he keeps you down here. So you are a liar, okay, if you do not love. That's what the Bible says. Because you can't love God whom you have not seen if you don't love the people that you see every day, every Sunday, every Saturday, on your job, the people on your job. That's trying to scratch and claw and take your position. You're supposed to love them too. In the book, not Bible, book. Anyone who loves God must. This is a command. God didn't say, well, maybe you should. He said, must love their brother and sister. Why? Because we're made in the image and the likeness of God. And who is that? Who's our creator? See, we ought to have the characteristics of our heavenly father of our father, our creator, the one that made us. You take a child and you look at that child and say, hey, you know, you look just like your dad. You look just like your mama. You, y'all look just alike. You got all their facial features. You got all their, your personality is just like your dad. Your personality is just like your mama. You got the characteristics, the traits, of your mama. God is our creator. Why are we walking around acting like the devil instead of acting like God, our creator? Amen. Some of y'all caught that. We ought to have his characteristics, his attributes. Amen. This is all a part of knowing who God is. Because when you know who God is, your creator, then you know who you are. Your identity is connected to who your creator is. Your personality ought to be lined up and in connection with who your creator is. Amen? Because he created you. So you ought to look like him. You ought to act like him. You ought to talk like him. You ought to live the life like him. Amen? The example that was set before us in the life of Jesus. There's a great separation between holiness and everything else. God's love for us closes the gap between his holiness and our unholiness to draw us to him. That gap between us was filled. And remember, Jesus went to the cross out of God's love. For God so loved 
follow us and contact you. We're talking about clapping. How many of you out there, you said, somebody said something about me, and I'm going to clap back. I'm going to say something back. I'm going to give them a one-two because they, they gave me a one-two. That's what they intended. But God is not mocked. When it comes to our sins, we deserve judgment for what we got, but he gives grace to us by faith in Jesus Christ. He gives us the opposite of what we deserve. God is grace and mercy. We ought to be walking just like him. If somebody claps on you, what are you going to do? You probably have just some words for them, right? Then you just as bad as them. You do the opposite. God bless you, Pastor Ray. I do. I just wanted to say anything you want to say. I see you're trying to do some things, and I just wanted to say anything you want to say. Do you know you heap burning coals on people when you do the opposite? They're walking around trying to get at you, and you show them the love of Jesus Christ. You heap burning coals on them. They walk away saying, hmm, that's different. They blessed me. I just ragged at them on social media, and they turn around and bless, bless me. They turn around and prayed for me, really prayed for me. Didn't just religiously tell me they were praying for me, but actually prayed for me. They did the opposite. Of what I said. Amen. God is grace and he's mercy. If you have no grace towards anybody else, that means you really have not embraced the grace that God has shown to you. Do you we realize really what what we deserve? Had it not been for God's grace, what we honestly deserve is judgment. All of the blessings that we have right now, they are all a product of God's grace. We didn't do anything to deserve them or earn them. It was God's grace. He shows compassion on us even though we're an unholy sinner. He acts kindly toward us even though we deserve that, that mercy. So our salvation, our healing, our blessings, we did not earn or deserve. It is the grace of God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. If you got a blessing today, guess what? It's from God. If you woke up this morning, guess what? It's from God. If you're healing your body today, it's from God. Even if you are dealing with some challenges in your body, but you're still here, guess what? It's from God. You didn't earn it. We didn't earn it. It is the grace of Almighty God. God is truth. Remember, he's holy, he's righteous, he's love, he's grace and mercy, he's truth. God is truth. Let's go to John 14, chapter 6, and it says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we ought to get this clear. You know, I went this weekend and I went and got my little nails done. You know how we said nails did. I did that. I went and got the nails did. <laughs> and while I was sitting there, for the first time, I ended up, the particular salon that I go to frequently, I always end up getting my nails done on one side of the doorway. It never fails. Well, no, once I've got my nails on the other side. But this particular person, this is the very first time I've ever been to this place, the very first time. 
and God had already dropped in my spirit to do the series on who is that. Now watch how God moved. He had already put it in my spirit to do a series on who is that while we were wrapping up the last series. In fact, one of the first chapters of the series. And so for whatever reason, watch this, for whatever reason, somebody say purpose, for purpose, we ended up, I ended up going on the other side to this effect that I've never been to before. The man is being ignored. All of a sudden, he asked me, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor, and this is my pastor, and I make him small talk. And then he just was talking to me about how he believed in me. And he believed that all these different prophets had come. And he said that he believed that Jesus was one of the prophets that came. Now, he said he didn't want to argue the case because he doesn't argue my case. So, because I don't, you know, we're not going to argue. Um, but just, just, a, just a discussion, just a dialogue, <laughs> just a dialogue. And so he began to talk about how he said, well, what if I'm wrong? That was an open door for me. Somebody say an open door. I said, well, what if I'm wrong? He said, well, if you're right, I was wrong. If Jesus is the only way, I was wrong. If Jesus is the only way, I was astray. Now, what does that scripture mean? The Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So you can go and you can find all these other little lowercase g gods that you want to, but Jesus is the only way to God. He's the only way. My brother, my sister, I mean, we had a conversation about all the different you know, prophets and things like that that have come along. And all of that's fine. But there is only one God. And he's God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the only way. The only way that we can receive the grace of salvation is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is by grace that we are saved, not by works. And during the conversation, he began to share about how, you know, he gave an example of going to different countries and doing things for people and things like that. And that's okay. That's all fine and good. But it's not by works, beloved. It's by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. So God is truth. And so before leaving, I prayed that God would reveal truth to him. Because remember, he said, what if I'm right? And I followed it up with, what if I'm wrong? And he said he would accept it. So that was an open door for me to pray for him before I left. God revealed truth to him because he said that he will accept it. So God, right now, I ask you to reveal truth to him and for him to come. He has said out of his own mouth, that he will accept this truth. So I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, to reveal truth to him. And the truth is, in John 14, 6, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No
no one comes to the Father except through me, and Jesus knows that. And see, it goes on in verse 7. It says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. So in other words, you can't get to God except you come through Jesus, beloved. Some people out there are taking classes, Bible classes, religious classes, school of religion, school of ministry, school of theology. Some of you are in secular schools and you're taking just Bible classes and you're learning about world religion. And that's okay. But there's only one God. There's only one Lord. And there's only one life. Life is not possible without Jesus. Life is not possible because he's the creator of it. He is the life. He is the truth and he is the way. You cannot get to God except by Jesus. There's no other Lord besides Jesus. There cannot be two besides Jesus. Except Jesus. Amen. And so verse 8, it says, oh, I'm sorry, verse 7, it says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And now watch this in verse 8. And I think this is something that many people go through even today. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Now listen, Jesus just told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, some people hear, but they don't understand. They see, but they don't perceive. They don't comprehend what God is saying. Here these disciples are. They're walking with Jesus. (laughs) They see him every single day. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the doorpost. You can't get past me. You got to come through me. And then Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. In other words, I'll fully believe you. Just show me who God is. Watch Jesus' response in verse 9. Jesus answered, do you not know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, of you have been among the church for a very long time and still don't know who God is. Anyone who has seen me, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you're looking at me, you're looking at the Father. Why? Because I look like my daddy. I'm one with my daddy. If you're looking at me, you're looking like the Father because we are one. I'm in him, and he's in me. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How can you say, show us the Father? Verse 10 says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever, there's that whoever, that's me through me, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In other words, you can't even get to sleep unless you have some dough without asking in my name. Why? Because it's through me. Why? Because Jesus came to the earth to give us access to God because of the separation that sin brought from unholiness, from holiness to unholiness. There was a separation because of sin. And Jesus worked. He did his redemptive work on the cross. His blood that was shed by faith in you. Which is what gives us the access to give us the grace. Amen. So it is through Jesus. It is not through all these other little cards that people have created for themselves to give us free access. Truth flows from God's holiness so we can apply what he says. We can rely on what he says to be true. God is holy. God is love. God is righteousness. God is grace and mercy. And God is truth. God never lies. He never misrepresents the facts. He never misleads us. See, the devil is a liar and deceiver of the world. But God is truth. His truth is everlasting. Amen. So God never lies, never misrepresents, and he never misleads. He is truth. So when his word tells us that God loves us or it is gracious and merciful to us, we know these statements are what? Facts. How do we say they're facts? Around here we say they're truth and facts. Amen. Truth and facts. Because God is holy, he always bears the truth. Amen. God always bears the truth. Jesus is the only way. So if you're wondering who God is, you got to look to Jesus because he's the only way. People are searching, they're wondering, they're confused about who God is. Even people in the body of Christ are confused on who God is because we don't talk about God the Father. We talk somewhat about Jesus, and we talk lately of late about the Holy Spirit, but we don't talk about who God the Father is. It's about the Trinity, and we talk specifically about the, the, the three persons of God. But we don't know who God is. We don't know who our creator is. We can trust that Jesus is love. He's Messiah. He's the son of God. He is the true and living God because it's found in the word. Amen. And that is our foundation of our faith. Who is God? We need to be looking to the Bible to tell us who God is. It is our source of information, not man, not all these other textbooks. Unless they point us to the right source, God, Jesus, and holiness. Holiness is his greatest and largest characteristic upon which every other aspect is flowing. Every other aspect is flowing because he is holy. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it is going forth. We thank you for fresh revelation of who you are. We thank you, God, for teaching us how to walk as you walk and to fulfill your purpose for us, showing us how to identify, like Samuel, who you are. 
And we do give you honor, glory, and thanks for sharing. In Jesus' name, amen.